Welcome to the Bronxshire Basketball Show. I'm your host, Nathan Callanan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it is currently 4.30pm on Friday, the 28th of August. On today's show, we'll briefly go over the boycotting of yesterday's games and the postponement of those Game 5s and all the issues at hand there. Of course, we'll go over the series that are currently still going uh, at the moment. We'll also touch on the ones that have ended and we'll preview upcoming uh, conference semi-final matchups. And of course, we'll do our Bronx Cheer of the Week nominations and also our randomized player debate at the end of the show. We're ready to go. It's time for tip-off. surprised by that and and the players are telling him not to be doing that once again welcome to the Bronx Cheer basketball show I'm joined by a man who has a team who is in the second round in the playoffs how are you JL Nathan I'm excellent after a four nothing sweep of the sixes how are you going oh splendid uh it's just all happy feelings in Philadelphia and the Philadelphia fandom. At least it was quick. You were put out of your misery. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It, it was uh, brutal, but it was painless. We, we were both up. It was the game started 3 a.m. Yep. Monday Australian time, and we were both up watching, you know, talking. And it was all fun and games, to be honest, I think, for both of us. But how about that damper of Tobias Harris going down, bleeding from the head, and it. And then Brett Brown going up to him and then, and it's like, oh, this is the last time we're going to see Brett Brown. I felt so bad for Brett Brown during that match because like there was one, I can't even remember who shot the free throw. It's all kind of meaningless now, but someone from Boston shot a free throw and got their own rebound. I think it might've been Tatum off memory. Um, And you just saw Brett Brown just screaming at them being like, (laughs) well, more just pleading like, please box out and get the rebounds. Like it's the least you can do for me. He knew it was his last game. Uh, the, the players knew and it was the first time where I've actually thought this sucks with Brett Brown. The Sixers practice before that game was was cancelled. You you knew it was sort of coming, of course. And, uh, and Bede said he didn't want to get swept and then he got swept. But yeah, as I said to you, I, I, was, I was actually watching that game just in a sort of weirdly bubbly sort of joking mood. I can't wait to sort of clean out the the whole organization basically. And then yeah, Tobias's head injury just put it just made me realize, oh, this is not a fun time and anyway, this is that's just a summary of my life. So moving on from the Sixers and the Celtics, we we've had a normal week of NBA, haven't we, mate? As always, the the writers for the NBA, they just <laughs> keep bringing up something new because Whatever you expect, it goes the complete opposite way. Uh, 
I'm, I'm glad it's going the way it did, but never would have picked it. So Sunday American time, uh, uh, is it is it Kenosha, Wisconsin? Yeah, that's the one. There was uh, a man named Jacob Blake who was shot in the back seven times by a police officer, and and of course it's 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 been all over the news. There's been uh, riots and protests. Sorry, mainly protests. You'd say is, is there been riots as well in Wisconsin? No, you, not that I'm aware of. I think it's all been quite peaceful, yeah. to be honest, except for yeah. one incident. Yeah, apart from that incident with the 17-year-old. Just the protesting has been happening and the players uh, like Van Fleet, I know they won the game, the Raptors, the other day. I think it was to complete their sweep and uh, Van Fleet said after the game, it's terrible that we have to come out of the game and watch that video of Jacob Blake and also see what's what else is happening with the protests, this resulted in the Bucks players not leaving the locker room for their Game 5 matchup against the Magic. They boycotted their Game 5. They stayed in the locker room. They got in contact with the Wisconsin Attorney General and they were just looking to, to see what they could do short-term, long-term. They want some real change. And this was a domino effect. The Rockets and the OKC game was boycotted by the teams. Lakers and Blazers followed suit. And then the NBA officially announced that all those games of the other day were postponed. Later that night, there was a 8 p.m. Eastern Time US meeting called for all the players and the coaches would be there as well. But then the coaches would be asked to step out. It was apparently pretty heated. Some people had a couple of problems with the Bucks blindsiding, I guess, blindsiding the rest of the the players and the Players Association not telling them. But I think that wasn't too much of a problem. I believe Jalen Brown was in full support of yeah. them, yeah, not letting yeah the rest of the well, players know. It's, it's a tricky one for the for the Bucks because I get why they did it, but I also yeah. feel. I understand why where the criticisms criticisms come from from them not telling the magic, um, because like as we'd heard previously that there was rumours that the um, Raptors and the Celtics were planning to to yes. sit out their game. So whether or not the magic had discussed it internally, you know that might have been an approach they wanted to take, but didn't know if they had the league support. Um, so they you know they thought they were doing the right thing by playing, and then all of a sudden. The Bucks aren't doing it when they might have been, you know, they, they probably wanted to support that as well. And they were looking like the ones, you know, not in the know and they looked oblivious to everything going on. So I did feel for them in a way, the, the magic. Um, but at the same time, there's no, it's just one of those situations. There's no one to blame. You don't point fingers right now. It's just, it sucks for everyone involved. So I'm glad that the Bucks did take a stand and I'm glad that's right. everyone's in support. That's right. And I mean, when we talk about how much it may have affected the magic, I'm not sure how much it really did take a toll on Aaron Gordon, but the news has broken that with his hamstring injury, and you could also say that they're about to get knocked out of the playoffs, but it was reported that with his hamstring injury and due to the events or the things that have happened in the last couple of days in the bubble, Aaron Gordon has left the bubble. He's not the only one who's left the bubble. We'll talk about a, another player who has soon. But back to that meeting that happened that night, uh, it, it ended up apparently getting a bit heated. 
all the players of all the other teams voted to continue playing the playoffs, but the Lakers and the Clippers did not support that. And LeBron James reportedly walked out and the Lakers players and the Clippers players followed him out the door. And personally, JL, uh, I don't know if proud, I need a different word from proud or maybe impressed. I just can't find the right word, but in in a way, one way of saying it, I just couldn't be more proud of LeBron James. Like this is maybe the most positive, the most, this is the best that LeBron James has looked in my eyes ever. Like his legacy is on the line in terms of a, a playing standpoint. And in there's various other standpoints, his, his age, you could bring up the money factor, but let's, it's more so just the playing legacy and the GOAT legacy, all that stuff. And he was the first to lead the charge in saying, we need real action. So I, I, I don't want to play. It was, I remember when the, when the news came out that the teams were having the meetings, you, you'd go on Reddit, you'd go on Twitter and all the, everyone that, you know, has no idea what's going on, but everyone's jokingly saying, I bet, you know, the Bucks. No, not the Bucks because they will even even the Bucks, but the Lakers and the Clippers and like you know the, the top sides will they'll want to protest now, but they'll still want to play because you know they're the ones going for the championship. And then when that was flipped completely, when the two you know top of the top two sides of the Western Conference all yeah all band together and say nut we're we're done, that took the the NBA world by storm, and everyone was so so shocked there. But like you said, proud. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, also don't know how to use it, but it was just. It's good to see that when the players talk about how there are things bigger than basketball, they're actually willing to put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, it's just as simple as if the Magic, for example, had voted, if they were the only team to vote, let's not continue, you know, or a a team that might be in their sort of scenario, you know, you'd be like, oh, okay, we we wonder why. Mm. Um, But yeah, LeBron James the leader and the Clippers, two of the huge favorites to pretty much win the championship. They're the ones to say, this is forget basketball. We don't care about this. Uh, yeah. I was just so, so impressed by that. Anyway, uh, Kenny, the jet Smith walked off the TNT inside the NBA set in support of the players. Chris Webber uh, gave an emotional speech from the commentators box. It's just good to see, what, what I was saying to people is that all the Black Lives Matter t-shirts and all the banners and all this stuff, it's, it's, it's good to just keep reiterating it. That's what it's, of course, we don't, we don't really want much else to be on all these t-shirts, but we need to make the, the rich owners and the, and the rich white billionaires of America uncomfortable and what the players and what obviously the media team was taking part in the other day would make the people who profit off these things, the people who literally just are rich and enjoy the sport, not playing in the middle of the playoffs would make them uncomfortable. Just really powerful stuff from everyone involved. The MLS, the WNBA, the MLB all sat out games as well. And we've continued to see in the, the last couple of days more expression of support for all these organizations. The next day they had more meetings and everyone has now voted to continue the playoffs, even the Lakers and the Clippers. 
but this took obviously a second meeting and the players want owners to be proactive instead of reactive and they want to be creating actions, not just throw money at these things. This is what they want from the owners. So overall, let's hope uh, there's supposedly or reportedly supposed to be an announcement. There's going to be some new initiatives setting up to do with the players, essentially forcing the hands of the owners to get more done in the society. But let's hope it, some real change can come from this. Yeah, well, fingers crossed because... Like, like we've said, you know, it's such a great movement and so good that they're, you know, putting their money where their mouth is and, you know, it genuinely means so much to so many of these players. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes and whether it's one of those things that pass over. But for the first time in a long time, you know, it looks like the NBA is actually like you, like what their players want the owners to be. They're being proactive, the NBA. Um and it's, it's great to see as a fan. That's it. So moving on back to basketball, hopefully it starts up either tomorrow or the day after. That's what the aim is for the league. Talking about some of the series that are just whatever, Raptors swept the Nets who had no players but gave it all their heart. The, that's right. What, what can you... The, yeah, that's it. The, it was just one of the battles of one team's a class above another um, and that before their players go down with injury. Um, so, yeah, the Nets really had nothing to offer, but the players gained a lot of playoff experience. They've obviously just, you know, one of those things of studying a team and learning how they work will be so beneficial for the Nets players later down the line. And, you know, it was good to see them actually have a bit of heart there. Um, but there was really not much else to talk about in that series. The, the Raptors just <laughs> yeah. looked so comfortable. It didn't even look like they played that good basketball anyway. They were just going through the motions for most of it. But unfortunately for the viewer, um, they were just a, a step above and there wasn't wasn't too many runs where you thought, oh, the Nets are a chance here. Joe Harris did leave the bubble towards the end of that series. He is not the player I was uh, previewing before. There's another bigger player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from that, the Raptors are in the second round. The Celtics will meet the Raptors in the second round which is the Eastern Conference semi-finals. Celtics in four. The Celtics <laughs> beat the Sixers quickly just back on the Sixers, like we discussed last week. I want everyone, and I think a lot of Sixers fans, I want everyone gone. They've basically, you can tell they've made the decision that Brand is going to be staying, but a lot of his staff around him is going to be gone. What players do you want to stay? Is there anyone that's untouchable? Definitely Ben and Joel. I would say Ben those and Joel two and and Shake. Yes, uh, and I'd, I'd say that everyone feels the same. Shake because of his contract. I feel that way about Matisse as well. And uh, yeah, sorry, he's, he's probably he, he's on a good contract as well. So that was four players on your roster that's worth worth keeping. Yeah, so blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. Get honestly, the th- the the thing is. Yes, we, we weren't going to the Sixers again, but Embiid and Simmons are so good that, yes, we've dug ourselves such a bad hole that now we've got to trade Al Horford on this massive contract and he's 500 years old. However, if you get half an Al Horford who's more suited to Embiid and Simmons, he's or, that player is already going to be more beneficial than Al Horford is. And that's just... All around the board, if we literally just get half decent, half decent players, 
that suit, or sorry, complement Embiid and Simmons, we're going to look automatically better next season. So that's that. Alton Brand is not getting fired. He already said Ben and Joel aren't going to be traded. Ben Simmons tweeted some some righteous tweet. He said, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> he said, yeah, he said, uh, it was hard to get, watch my team get swept. I don't want to see that again. And I just, I don't even know what that was supposed to mean. I, anyway, I, does it mean he's going to shoot? <laughs> so, no, he's, he's still not going to shoot. He's still not going to improve his offensive game. It's just going to he? be... Wash, rinse, and repeat for these sixes, I reckon. I don't think That's anyone's right. going to want to take this Horford contract. Um, I think you're stuck with Tobias, and I think it'll be the same story over and over again for the next few years. Oh, gosh. Anyway, and we'll preview and we'll talk about, because hopefully, gosh, it's a long process, searching for a coach. We'll talk about that when there's less exciting basketball to talk about. Brett Brown has officially been fired, and there's another coach that's been fired Nate McMillan, who I like, man. Really? Really? Yeah, like I thought he's done. I I realize now I didn't get up a stat that I wanted to get up, but basically he lost, what was it like? He, 2017 or 18, he lost to LeBron by a total of 16 points over the series. Lost in seven in the other series to LeBron. Um, he's in the playoffs. He's three and sixteen since he took over the Pacers duties. I know, but he had Oladipo out last year. He's got Sabonis out this year. I know it's not whatever, but I wouldn't have. I didn't think that warranted a sacking. You know, their all star was out. You know, technically their all star of this season, who was Sabonis, mm. is out. And for me, that didn't warrant a sacking after the solid. You know, they finished uh, the regular non bubble season with the, the longest win streak or the best record, or, you know what I'm saying? You heard about their sort of yeah, streak of that they're on? I, but yeah. I think if you like, a lot of Indiana fans have been sick of him for a while. They didn't want the extension that he signed just towards the end of the season anyway. He, you watch him coach and he doesn't make any good adjustments. And I think they've got like quite a good roster. They've like, they don't have many all-stars. They've got Oladipo, who we don't really know much about coming back from injury and obviously Sabonis. But you've got Warren, Brogdon, Turner, and then you've got the Holiday Brothers. But the first few that I mentioned there are not all-star level, but close to. And then yeah. you've got Hol- the Holidays off the bench and whatnot. They've got a pretty good roster. Yeah. This is like they should be top six in the East, top five in the East. So it's like it's not an accomplishment to get them there. It's about, you know, taking them further. And we've seen our coaches in the past, and I don't want to, you know, um, talk about Brad Stevens over and over and over again but to me he's one of the best coaches in the league but we saw what he did in 2018 if my memory is correct when Kyrie and Horford uh, Kyrie and um, Hayward both went down and with a rookie Tatum second year Brown yeah. and Al Horford and Terry Rozier took him to game seven of the conference finals Brad Stevens is such a good in-game adjustments such a great um, play out of the timeout coach and the one thing I guess I could say that I notice of the Pacers and McMillan is they can be a bit bland and just sort of repetitive with their with their plays and their their sort of approach. So I guess maybe they just that's it. They just want to go in a in a different direction. Yeah, I just think so a fresh, a fresh start, and it'll just rejuvenate their offense. I think because that's looking quite stagnant more often than not. 
So assuming that the Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac less magic do lose to the Bucks in game five, whenever it happens, which let's say, let's be honest, it will. We're going to see Milwaukee versus Miami and we're going to see Celtics versus Raptors. Give me Miami versus Milwaukee. Just a, just a straight out pick and why. Milwaukee, uh, in how many games I don't know yet, but I think they'll they'll get over the line there. Uh, why is Giannis Adetokounmpo? He's just a level above any other player in the East at the moment. But also, we know that the way to stopping Giannis is building a wall. And I don't think Miami have the defenders to do that. You need bigs that are quite mobile. And they've got Bam, but that's about it that's, you know, his size and quite athletic. From that point on, you've got Jimmy Butler and Iguodala and Crowder that can sort of slow him down a little bit that they're not going to come close to stopping him. So I think the Bucks' offense with Giannis leading from the front and surrounding him by, with shooters, you know, we know that Bledsoe can hit him occasionally. He's not a great shooter, but Matthews, Middleton and Brooke Lopez rounding out the starting five. Their offense is just so it just comes so naturally to them it's not like they're doing anything complex it just flows and i think the bucks will will win that one quite convincingly i i think miami are, are dangerous however i'm not going to i'm not going to say anything silly i think the key as you just went on about i i think the key to the series is giannis I think that Miami are coached so well and well enough to really scare Milwaukee. If Milwaukee want to not wake up, you know, for a couple of games like they have against the Magic, but I think Giannis is going to realize, or he's going to kick into gear at some stage this series. And as he said, they can't really stop him. And I've, I've got a feeling they might give trouble to some of the other sort of surrounding players, but Giannis will just dominate the heat. And like and when when Bam's off the court, their backup centre is Kelly Olenek and then behind that is Myers Leonard. They're yeah. not going to be contend, like, you know, contending at the rim. I None think of them that, are yeah. quick enough. Basically, Giannis will have to win that series and I think he will. So, no bias. Celtics in uh, four. I'll say Celtics it I'll again. Celtics in four. Celtics Raptors, mate. <laughs> no, this will be... I think this has the potential to be the best series in the whole playoffs. Um, wow. And I Whoa. know just because these teams match up so well against each other, um, they've never played each other in the playoffs, which to me has been ridiculous because... That's unbelievable. Been, for the last, like, four seasons off memory, they've been fighting for, you know, the one, two, three, four spot sort of thing. And I remember when... The, the whole fake one seed, fake two seed thing about the Celtics because everyone was over-hyping them a few years ago and the Boston players didn't like that at all. Um, so I think there is a bit of a... These teams don't like each other. And I think we've yeah. we've, we've always known that, but they match up so well against each other. Um, the Celtics, are, in my opinion, have the strongest starting five of the two, quite convincingly, but the Toronto Raptors are so deep and we've seen that this season... You know, once Kawhi left, they didn't slow down at all. What? So, do you have a prediction? <laughs> oh, if I'm going to predict, and I know you said yeah. don't be biased, but I think that's <laughs> bullshit. I am going to say Celtics in seven. Whoa. Because oh. the only reason I'm saying that 
is well no there's two reasons one because i am the most biased person you'll ever meet <laughs> but, but also if it i like i said it's going to be a close series and i think it'll go down to the wire and i'm taking brad stevens over nick nurse in this case and i'm taking boston's finishing ability with kemba Jalen and jason all being able to create for themselves over toronto who i know uh they've got van fleet who's playing some incredible basketball and Siakam, they're the only two that really create for themselves. Lowry can occasionally, um, but that's sort of the only real difference maker for me. I forgot to mention, uh, since we last spoke, Nick Nurse, the coach man you just spoke down on, won Coach of the Year, and Giannis Antetokounmpo won Defensive Player of the Year, and you think he's going to win MVP. Wow. So good on them. But anyway, back to this these predictions. I... I'm not biased either. Or oh, well, sorry, you said you are biased. I'm not biased. <laughs> and as much as I love the Celtics so much, I I think that the Raptors 13 good players that I've never heard of against the Celtics healthy better than good three players, the really good three players, I think that if it you know what, if it comes to 7, I'll give you Celtics. If it, if it's under 7, I'm taking Raptors, and I think that's going to be the case. I think they're just going to somehow mold themselves into a series, the Raptors, where McDonald's is selling human meat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Terrence Davis said that uh, for all our listeners that hadn't heard that one. Um, But, yeah, I just think they're going to mold themselves into a series where they'll they'll find a bad Tatum game, get a win there. They'll, They'll find a bad... Brown and Kemba at the same time game, all those types of things. As I said, the Raptors' depth, as we mentioned before, it, it can it can sort of suffocate you, and especially with Hayward out, I think that the Celtics might just suffocate under the Raptors' depth. But moving yeah. on, before before yep. you get going, <laughs> before I because I, I could talk about this all day. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. so. Let's get into the, some of the serious uh, series that are still going on. So there has been five games in the Jazz and the Nuggets series. When we last spoke, I believe it there was had only been one or two, mm-hmm. and the series score was I think it was two, and there was series score was one one, and it's genuinely the Mitchell versus the Murray show. These two scoring guards have just been putting it up. There's been a bunch of records that I can't keep up with. But in game one, we know that Mitchell had 57 in a loss. Murray had 36. Game two, Mitchell had 30 with the win. Murray had 14. Game three, Mitchell had 20. But in a spread out win, Murray had 12, which is pretty poor in game four they scored 101 points between them Mitchell scored 51 Murray scored 50 and in game five Mitchell scored 30 and Murray scored 42 for the Nuggets to save themselves and take it to at least a game six the series score is 3-1 sorry in favor of the Jazz Mitchell has averaged 5.6 assists in this series which is I'm not actually sure if that's up on his average, but... It's about bang on, I think. Yeah, that's fine for me. At least it's not terrible. Murray's got just under seven assists. He's getting, of course, Jokic and all the 15 good players that they've got, the <laughs> Nuggets, uh, involved. Uh, how have you seen this 
this buddy rivalry, in a way, if you want to call it that, go down? I don't even know where my thoughts are at the moment because these, this series has just been ridiculous. Mitchell hasn't missed a beat at all. He's been playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, as you mentioned, Murray had those two games where he had 14 and 12 points and obviously um, didn't go as planned. However, she's what a recovery with the 50-point game in game four and just absolutely – I think he like scored or assisted – their last 27 points or something like that off memory. Um, he was just willing to take the game on and take over. So where it'll go from here, I don't really know. I said that it's a Nuggets series to lose. I thought they were the better team. I thought they had more offensive power. But the Jazz defense has been incredible. Um, Rudy Gobert leading from the front there. But, yeah, I don't even know what to say about it because it's just been – as a fan, that's all we can ask for is two star players going at it. I think that we both said after five games, it would be the opposite to this. I think we both said that it would be Nuggets 3-2 over the Jazz at this stage. Here's the constant discussion about both these teams. The Nuggets, did they get swept by Portland in the playoffs last year? Portland won 4-3. That's right. Oh, yeah, went to and se- Port- sorry, went yeah, to and seven. It, was close, it was close down at the... Um, in the last qu- his last game went down the last quarter. Yeah. And um, yes. Portland got up by four points. Well, anyway, so so Portland got that done in, in, in seven, but Portland, by what we were expecting from the Nuggets of recent years, should not have beaten that Nuggets team. Nuggets did not go to the conference finals against the Warriors, which was you know, supposed to happen, you you mm. might say. And and then they go down three one in this in this series to a jazz team that, as I mentioned before, hasn't really totally found their stride this season. It seems that they found it now and the whole Conley, every piece is fitting. Gosh, imagine if they had Bogdanovich. But the Nuggets, what is happening? Why aren't they I know they invest on young talent, but are they just too not enough superstar power, you know what I'm saying? Too, I think they're a bit too one-dimensional at times. Um, yeah. Almost 2D, I suppose, because their only real options is feed Jokic in the post and have everyone cut or have a high pick and roll with Murray as the ball handler and let him go to work. Other than that, you don't really see their role players take the game on. Like They're, they're good scorers, they're good shooters, but they're not going to be the ones that are taking the ball in the pick and roll and looking to score or creating for others. And I think that's what the Jazz love when it comes to the playoffs is that they can lock down everyone else and be like, all right, Murray and Jokic, you can beat us, but no one else is going to score easy points here. And then on the other side of the ball, as I was saying, the constant discussion, at least of this season, was uh, are they going to work it out, the Jazz? And it's, it's good to see because I really like the Jazz when they're basically firing. And it's good to see that in this series, the dynamic of Mitchell's the go-to guy and Conley's still there, but more as a facilitator. It's obviously working and I can't wait for game six whenever it does happen. So the Jazz lead that one three to two. I know we, I know you said at the start you don't want to predict from here, but where is this going from here? Um, oh, look. The only, I'm going to say the Jazz only because they've got the game in hand, but realistically, could go either way. It, I think, though, it will depend on Conley. Um, he came back and scored 27 or whatever it was and just looked like the Mike Conley of old. So if he plays well again, this goes to the Jazz. 
Yeah, I've got the same. I think it will go to seven, and I think it'll go to the Jazz in the last one. So, obviously, Nuggets take game six, and then we go to seven. So, before we get on to the other three series that are heating up, let's go to our Bronx Shear of the Week nominations. This week, we have three nominations again. We have Daniel House Jr. I sent this to you before, JL. Had you seen it before I sent it to you? No, I hadn't. He... You might not say that this is a total Bronx cheer, but he um, was defending Chris Paul. Chris Paul gives him the sort of, what's the, the body contact? You'd know more than me what to call it. The, just the the legal driving body contact while going for a layup. And House sort of, he first sort of bounces off Chris Paul <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he's like going away from him, like towards the ground. And then he flops. Like, it's good in slow motion because you can see it's like a delayed it was definite video two, game. There were, there were two movements there, and that's what they'll always look for, is it wasn't in the motion. He took the contact, started going, and then thought, hang on, I've been hit. Let's imbalance <laughs> as much as I can. <laughs> and in slow motion, if you just watch it a couple of times, you just, yeah, it's made me giggle a couple of times because it's just, as I said, it looked just one of those video game moments. It's just like, oh, Oh yeah, I got a flop here. <laughs> and then he just he just flops backwards. So Daniel House Jr., you are nominated. Bronx cheer to you, mate. Reggie Jackson. Kawhi Leonard steals with one hand off Boban. An amazing steal. Brings it up the floor, gives it to Reggie Jackson just at the top of the arc at the three. And he's driving to sort of the left of the basket and plays volleyball with himself in midair <laughs> and and then just drops it or something and he and he gets bodied out of out of bounds and and then uh, camera goes over to Kawhi and you can see Kawhi say I didn't give up the ball for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi's sick of it. He's sick of it. Um so he, he's Reggie wishing Jackson. he stayed in Toronto. <laughs> Reggie Jackson, that's uh clearly a Bronxia if, Without if a there was a crowd, that's a te- if there that's was a textbook Bronx cheer, yeah, if there was an opposing crowd at, at the arena, there there would definitely be some serious sarcastic cheers for Reggie Jackson. And we got a bit of a different one this week a nomination. Do you want? Do you want to say this one, Jail? I mean, I can. <laughs> Where and Nafe's written the notes here. I might add, <laughs> quote unquote. Nafe saying Blazers would be up th- would be three two up and they're about to lose four one. So I, I believe I actually said last week that the Blazers would be three two up against the Lakers and that they're just about to win their fourth to knock the Lakers out. I'm pretty sure it was along those lines. I haven't gone back, but I've got a good memory and you know what? I'm not beyond <laughs> I'm not beyond a Bronx cheer, so definitely I'm up for nomination. I do not want to turn into Charles Barkley, even though he's hilarious, or I don't want to turn into someone who just gives out these hot takes. I genuinely thought that this might finally be the year that LeBron doesn't <laughs> turn it on. Why is it? I reckon we've been hearing this for years. This is LeBron's. This is the year LeBron fails. And to God, why people doubt him, I don't know, because it just year after year after year, he just proves everyone wrong. There's no way in the world the Blazers were going to win this series. And I said that. 
and there was a time everyone just you know they wanted to see it happen and when they when they won game one that sort of fire inside them started to burn and I could see it you were you were licking your lips at the <laughs> at the thought of LeBron going down and there was no there's no logical thought behind it you were just obsessed with the idea and this is where it's got you Bronx cheer to me that's that's terrible the Lakers are currently up 3-1 and they're and Damian Lillard is the man that is leaving the bubble. He has a strained he has, right he has everything. quad or, or knee. Is it quad or knee? Yes, I think it's. He's done his knee. Um, off memory, I didn't actually really read it properly because once I saw it was out, I saw it was like, All right, yeah, that's done his undusted. right knee, and basically he will be leaving the bubble. So you'd say that the Lakers are comfortably going to take Game Five. Bronx cheered an eighth. Honourable mention to Luka Doncic. we got to put him in. he done a terrible, terrible flop. Lou Williams, it, L- Doncic wasn't really aware that Lou Williams was sort of sort of to the side and behind him, just at the elbow, the top left elbow, would you call it? And Lou Williams sort of pinches the ball and Doncic realises and he does this terrible flop. Not really a Bronx cheer moment, but... It depends how much alcohol. Bronx shears are really, <laughs> yeah. they can really, they can be uh, birthed with some serious alcohol. You could give a Bronx shear for anything, depending on how some much. Some liquid uh, courage always helps. Yeah, that's it. Um, but, uh, the best Don- the best part of the Doncic one was definitely Doc Rivers' reaction. He was just like, yeah. and I think it was, if it was like any other time during the series, he probably would have been up in arms about it. But I, it was just like, Luca's trying so hard, and I feel bad for him. And good on him if he's trying. He's just trying to get some more points on the board. Yeah, he's been he's been amazing, Luca Doncic. But we'll get to him. Moving on, let's get to another series: the OKC against the Houston Rockets series. We are now at two two. Me and you, I think it was one zero Houston. I don't think it was two zero at that yeah. point. And me and you both said Houston will roll home. OKC looked shocking in that first game. We, I was saying they didn't want it because it didn't look like they did. They just went into it. But then there was a man named Lou Dort who came in from game two onwards. And there's a bunch of stats of when he's defended hard and in the regular season, which are really, really nice. But let me just tell you that in three games so far, game two, three, and four, when he's defended Harden, Harden has shot three of 21 from the floor in 13 at minutes and 42 seconds of game time. He's thick. He's like sort of that same build almost to Harden. He, he, he's just making Harden work. He doesn't yeah. give in to the fouls. Harden's still getting his own... He in game one, of course, he had thirty-seven, and then Dort came in, and the Rockets still won. It was a bit of an all-round win. Harden had twenty-one, but the two losses that Houston have now had, Harden had thirty-eight, which was in an o- o- overtime loss, and while that was, you know, thirty-eight, the recipe for Houston's success, at least in my point of view, is Harden win the game you know so obviously 38 wasn't enough i'm expecting a 45 and i know that sounds crazy but that's basically what we've come to expect 
Especially and with Westbrook out. Yeah, that's right. Westbrook's still out. So 38. I just think Lou Dort is doing the job. You can see he's making it just difficult for Harden. And then 43 minutes, James Harden played in game four and he scored 32 points. He took 25 shots. It's serious. This 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 boy is uh, is putting the clamps on James. Well, what I love to see, and it's, it's, this has bothered me for years when people are guarding, guarding Harden. It's like, you know he's going to bait you into fouling. He's going to extend his arms. He's going to you know, use his body well. And it's like, don't play for blocks and don't play for steals. If you play him straight, force him into a bad shot. And that's the best you can do. As soon as yep. he gets to the free throw line, that's where he finds his rhythm. And that's when his threes are going to start falling. And Lou Dort just keeps his hands up, doesn't try and do anything fancy, just moves his feet, hands up, and will force Harden into bad shots. And it's like, finally, we're seeing this after years and years. And yeah, Harden's getting his own. He's still going to score his... Uh, field goal percentage is down, but in the playoffs, that's not really too important at the end of the day. Um, but he's just working. He's just making Harden work so much harder. And it's just fantastic. That's... It's just fantastic to watch. And on the offensive end, Lou Dort isn't anything special to comment on, but obviously he's playing decent minutes um, because of the Harden, how good he is on Harden and his defense in general. But you don't really need Lou Dort to do the offense when you got Gallinari doing what he does. Schroeder in the two wins uh, with the team high 30 and 29, I believe they were. Uh, Chris Paul just being so crafty as he always is. The point guard. Shy Gildas. Yeah, Shy Gildas Alexander. Aver- uh, sorry, not averaging, or maybe he is, but getting more assists than Chris Paul in some of the games. This is a very uh, complete and. They're very well rounded. Yeah, very well rounded, and they're when they're trying. Obviously, they're they're actually a good team. This OKC team. So there's only one thing that uh, the Rockets have got up their sleeve, and I quietly think that they'd be sort of happy on a basketball term with the delay of the game fives. Uh, Westbrook got upgraded to questionable when he was going to be out for game five when it was supposed to be played yesterday. So saying that their game five might be tomorrow or the day after, you'd say he's about going to play. And I think before the series, I said Westbrook's playing, Houston will win this series, and I still stand by it with three games to go. If Westbrook comes in, it just adds another dimension to the Rockets that'll make it so much harder. Because right now, if you look at game four, for example, Harden had his 32 points, but he also had 15 assists. Now, the Rockets had 30 made field goals that weren't Harden. So he's assisting on half their points, that they're scoring with that aren't him. So he's doing three quarters of the stuff out there pretty much. He's generating the entire offense. And that's why they're able to stay in it right now is because they're just focusing on his efforts, you know, their efforts on Dort guarding Harden and funneling him into the middle. But now Westbrook's in the picture. There's just another, you know, him penetrating the ring, him driving and kicking. We'll get Gordon better looks. We'll get house better looks. We'll get Covington better looks. It'll get Tucker better looks. So, um, where it'll go from here, I don't know if he doesn't come back, but if he is back, the Rockets will run away with this one. Let's get on to these LA teams, the Lakers and the Blazers. I guess we can actually just skim over this. All we got to say is that after the Blazers won that game one, and I look pretty silly right now, Damian Lillard, I mean, I know he he struggled with uh, in one game a dislocated finger. However, he was not on before that. It's got to be noted, but 
the two people that have been on, especially one guy, is LeBron and AD. LeBron has been amazing. In game one, he only had 23, and you noted that he's got to become more of a scorer. In game two, looks he only had 10 points. Am I seeing that right? Yeah. In game in game two, he only had 10 points. Second lowest playoff score ever, if I recall correctly. But they still won by 23 points. So obviously it was a a big game, must have been a big game from AD. And it was obviously a team shared game. And then game three, you can see it come out to play. LeBron, 38 points. And in game four, LeBron, 30 points, wearing those mamba jerseys the black mamba jerseys i'm sorry that i ever doubted you uh king james <laughs> oh, he's, <laughs> but, uh, he's turned it on um just the way he's been driving and you look at his field goal percentage now i know i just said before that field goal percentage doesn't matter too much in the playoffs because you know it's a, it's on a single game it doesn't really matter if you shoot poorly you can still will your team to win but in game four he shot 10 from 12 from the field in, that includes four from five from three. If he's doing that while also having 10 assists, there's no way the Lakers lose. <laughs> 10 from 12 from from the field, yeah. four or five from three. 75% wow. at the line. But he's, 10 assists, yeah. He's basically, I thought that the wall that the Blazers put up in the first game seemed nice. Obviously, it was just a LeBron hesitant. <laughs> I'm now learning. Um, it, it can be noted that Zach Collins has been ruled out for the whole series. He has not played. That's another body, I guess, they could have thrown at him. It would have been useful. But in general, the Blazers are just... I know I, I know as well they're missing Ariza, but, you know, ifs and buts if you want to get into well, I mean, The Lakers have been... They've been such a good defensive team all year. And like I mentioned earlier, one-dimensional teams get found out in the playoffs. And that high pick and roll between Lillard and Nurkic and then McCullum and Nurkic is pretty much all they've been running. Nurkic is gassed. Like, he hasn't played basketball in 16 months. He comes back. Yeah. And first of all, he's trying to guard AD. And when when he's, on the, <laughs> when he's sharing the floor with um, McGee or Howard, Nurkic looks decent defensively. But when he's on... Davis, he just looks so tired because he's trying to set these high screens, trying to roll to the rim, fighting for these rebounds against such a good rebounding side, and then trying to play, you know, trying to just do it all. He's playing high minutes and he's busting his ass. But unfortunately, if you're playing against Anthony Davis, you're going to be drawn to the perimeter a lot. And he's just big frames not handling it at the moment. And tiredness can always lead to foul trouble. And in general, I've always noticed over the span of Nurkic's career, even in Denver, he and Jokic at the time when they had them both, both of them foul trouble and Nurkic is been like that in this series you can see on his face he just gets impatient obviously there's a bit of fatigue as you're saying and the foul trouble obviously doesn't help and I think I might have said it last pod or I've been saying it out to basketball uh, people that if AD is just a bit smarter with attacking Nurkic it can be easy done because of all these shortcomings that we're talking about but Unfortunately, the Lakers. Oh, sorry, not unfortunately, but unfortunately <laughs> for the for the Blazers. <laughs> unfortunately for the Blazers, the Lakers have run away with it. Damian Lillard has left the bubble. 
he is now with his son, which was a nice picture to see. Silver linings. The the Blazers seem to be doomed. The Lakers smashed them in game four, which will lead us into our next series. The Lakers are leading the series 3-1, but in game four, they made a bit of a statement. They smashed the Blazers 135 to 115. And then there's another team in LA that's not known for, or sorry, this season, not known for, you know, puffing out their chest, but some might say that a 154 to 111 win might be puffing out your chest and saying, oh, we're here as well. Don't worry. The the Clippers beat the Mavs for that score uh, by 43 points. And it's 154 is the highest ever the Clippers have scored in a playoff game, I believe I saw. It was the third highest ever, I think. Yeah, it was. Paul George finally woke up. Luca trying to do it all. Unfortunately, Chris Stapps Porzingis has been out with right knee soreness. He missed game four and game five. And sorry, I, I've been meaning to say game five for this big score Clippers win. Um, Luca's been trying to do it. He's had obviously 42 in game one, 28 in game two. He had 13 in game three and then 43 and 22 in the next two games. Of course, with all the assists and he's dropping and, of course, a few rebounds. He's trying to carry the Mavs, but I'm not excited for the Mavs' chances now that Paul George woke up and is finally living up to playoff P. <laughs> yeah, his self-proclaimed nickname. Well, look, if <laughs> when we when we saw Pazingas go down, everyone thought, yeah, the Clippers are going to run away with it. And, you know, Doncic in that game four had 43 17 and 13 with that incredible buzzer beater and that you know that just showed the sort of player he is and he's you know willing to step it up but with his rolled ankle without pausing in game five the uh the task was too much at hand but did you um did you see um morris intentionally step on his ankle yes yes i did classic marcus morris uh we as much as he's from Philly, I mean it's classic tough guy from Philly, but man, I already don't really love him that much from his years at the Celtics. That was a real that was a real dog act. Because you could they saw the the angle that they showed on the broadcast was above the backboard looking down. It sort of looked a little bit innocuous. But the sideline angle where you saw him take four steps to run and then change his angle to intentionally step on Luca's foot. There was no doubt in my mind that that was intentional and just an awful look for an already unlikable team. It wasn't a good look, basically. And, yeah, I hope that... I never want to see that in the game. And, yeah, Marcus Morris is... He's like that, I guess. What else can you say? But anyway, so the Clippers are leading 3-2. I'm not sure there's much else you can say. I'm sure Porzingis, especially with this break, I'm sure he's going to play in game... Game six. Uh, in g- game six. But I, I, I think, especially if PG is awake, I, I think that the Clippers might close it out and the Mavs will be back next year for a serious... Yeah. For a more... Yeah, a, a more... Deep, a deeper run. I, yeah, that's I right. I agree with you. Um, it depends on Porzingis' health and it depends on what what Paul George shows up. Uh, if you get games... <laughs> you just hate... You hate saying his name. That's how oh, much you hate him. I do. <laughs> But, you know, if we do get that Paul George that's, you know, sh- shooting one of 12 again, 
and Porzingis <laughs> plays, the Mavs are a genuine chance here at game six. Um, but I don't think even, no matter what the circumstances, I think the Clippers will take it if it does go to seven because I know Kawhi just will, will he'll will them to victory. I know he's a, a level above oh, and he's, he's a class incredible. athlete. He's been playing some of the best basketball so far in the playoffs and I just know that We've seen his resume. We know what he does in the playoffs. He will just take them to where they want to go. He's amazing, Kawhi. But just back onto PG, you know I noted this down. Uh, he went from first player to shoot under 25% in three straight playoff games since 1960 to, in game five, the only player in NBA postseason history to score 35 points in 25 minutes or less in in the shot clock era. Playoff P, JL. I know you love him. It just doesn't make any sense what he's doing. <laughs> but I mean, shooters get hot and shooters get cold. Live by the three, die by the three. And I think I said that in one of our last podcasts. I was like, he's changed his game now where he's overly reliant on the three ball. And you want to see him attack the rim because that's where he's going to score easily because he's you know so, such a big frame. So when he attacks the rim, that's when he's looking at his best. And I think that'll also open up the three-point shot for him. So now... That wraps up all the serious stuff. Let's get into our fun news segment. Uh, it's our random player debate segment where I'm going to randomize all the active NBA players and it's going to give you a player and it's going to give me a player and we are going to debate who is better out of those two players. Can you talk about last I, week's results before we start? I'd like to uh, just note that Harrison Barnes... Out that last week, the the matchup was Jack Lynch had Rudy Gay and I had Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes survived coronavirus, and it seems that everyone who voted is doesn't have a heart. Um, <laughs> and Jack Lynch doesn't have a heart because uh, I think the votes were something like a hundred percent. It was a hundred percent, a hundred percent, hundred percent votes for Rudy Gay. So Jack. If it, makes you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better, at least you've got an intelligent an intelligent supporter base listening to you at the moment because <laughs> they just like statistics and they like knowing the truth and they know that Rudy Gay is a better player than Harrison Barnes. <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's. I'm about to click randomize. Are you ready, mate? I'm ready. All right, I'm clicking it now. <sighs> Drew Holiday for me. Bias Harris for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> this isn't fair. <laughs> all right. All right. This is good. Drew Holiday. Drew. Oh, I've got everything on Tobias Harris <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> How funny. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready to lose this. Drew Randall Holiday. He was born on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's a 190-centimeter guard. He's a point guard or he can be a shooting guard. And he currently plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. And he has been there as part of... This is this is fitting, JL. You know why. I'm sure, surely you know why. Hit me. He has been at the New Orleans Pelicans in this beautiful story that is my NBA fandom. As I've said a million times, I started following the NBA because Nealans went to Philly. He was my favorite player from college. Drew Holiday was at Philly and New Orleans 
New Orleans drafted Nerlens Noel on draft night 2013 and traded him on draft night to Philadelphia for Drew Holiday. So I never really got to see Drew Holiday in Philadelphia. How, however, if it wasn't for Drew Holiday, I wouldn't be a Philadelphia fan. I might be a New Orleans fan. I might be something else. And I'm just, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Neither do I. You're just, you're just <laughs> trying to put this off because you know the inevitable is that somehow I'm going to find a way to win this argument. No, because I like talking around the stats first. But anyway, let's get down to it. Anyway, Drew, Drew Holiday is a better player. <laughs> no, 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 no. Drew Holiday started me going for Philadelphia. He was part of that transaction. This man is one of the best defenders in the league. You chuck him on any guard and he's locking them up. He has averaged 1.5 steals for his career. He's averaged 15.9 points for his career. He's got an effective field goal percentage of 50, just like Harrison Barnes. And he's so crafty. Don't tell me you haven't seen Drew Holiday craft around the basket. And you know what? If you say to Drew Holiday, hey, you're, you're not good at threes, He'll pull up and he'll hit you with 35%. Let's call it 60. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Let's call it 36. All right. So thank you for those stats, Nate. Now, I just want to say something. You've got me covered on the steals front. You said uh, Holiday averages 1.5 steals. Tobias Harris only 0.7. However, you claim, you claim that Drew Holiday is a good scorer with 15.9 points per game. Tobias Harris also has 15.9 points per game. Now, you want to talk about effective field goal percentage. Tobias Harris has a better effective field goal percentage than uh, Drew Holiday at 0.522 uh, and also has a better career three-point percentage at 36.5. So you can round that bad boy up to 60 or, <laughs> or 37. Now, if you want to go to the advanced stats here, we've got some uh, the player efficiency rating because that matters apparently. <laughs> now, this season, Drew Holiday, 17.0. Tobias Harris, 17.2. So miles ahead there. And for his career, Tobias Harris is 16.7. And that's just a great number. I like it. So I'm happy with that one. <laughs> and then uh, for the win shares this, this season, uh, Drew Holiday had a mere 3.9. And Tobias Harris had 6.2 win shares. That's six wins off the back of him throughout the season. And for his career, Tobias Harris was 45.7. Drew, Drew Holiday, only 43. So everything's just suggesting that Tobias Harris is a better player. These, stats, these statistics are not cherry-picked. Uh, Jack, I understand where you're coming from, but there's one thing you're leaving out. Uh, Tobias Harris has never been an all-star, am I correct? Yeah, but he's played for like five teams. So <laughs> isn't, there's that a a reason that, isn't that a talent? There's a reason that Tobias Harris has played for, as you said, what is it, five teams one, or two, whatever three, it is. Four, five. Because, and I've slowly learnt it, with him being part of the Sixers, Tobias Harris is not worthy of staying on a team and not worthy as being a starter or a max contract player. Only a silly basketball club would pay him a max <laughs> contract. Drew Holiday, on the other hand, who used to play for the beautiful Sixers, uh, has been an all-star in the 2012-2013 season, right before he got traded and I came into the NBA. He also, I just got more on, on Tobias Harris. For the first three games, Tobias Harris didn't make a three, Jack, against the Celtics. And that's why you he's a better player. A... He helped the better team win. I'm going to say these words 
<laughs> I'm going to say these words just so that when I make the video visualization of what we're saying and posting it on our socials, I can put it there. You said to me, I'm going to go screenshot it. You said to me in our messages, Jay Rich good, Harris bad. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. And you know what? Jay Rich isn't even good. <laughs> and I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty much calling the, the, the debate there because you, you yourself said that Tobias Harris is bad. Drew Holiday, okay, who out of the two guys has a last name that's another, that's a synonym for a vacation? <laughs> oh, you got me there. And also, when have you ever seen such amazing, like, street awesome spelling of Drew? How would you spell Drew? You'd spell it D R E W. But no, Drew Vacation Holiday, <laughs> the all star of the two players we're arguing over, the man who set me up to follow the process sixes. And watch Harrison Barnes knock a three over us. <laughs> he spells his first name J-R-U-E. He's part of the New Orleans Pelicans rebuild. They're going to be exciting. Well, the, reasons, the reason the, re the rebuild's taking so long is because he's just not a good player. If they had Tobias Harris feeling the spot, that would already be a championship contender. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias Harris is on a supposed championship contender you know, right now. You know why <laughs> Tobias is better? Because if you go oh, on why? Drew Holiday's if you go on Drew Holiday's basketball reference page, he has the worst yep. nicknames of all time. And that is an indictment to him <laughs> as a person and as a player. He's got Jay Holler, the Druth, J-R-U-T-H, <laughs> and Kung Fu Drew. Kung Fu Drew is pretty bad, but uh, yeah, they're, they're all pretty bad. <laughs> but I, I stick by the holiday vacation point. Uh, I think everyone knows that Drew Holiday is much better than Tobias Harris, especially with how terrible Tobias Harris has been this season. I think I, I'm, I'm happy to leave it there. I, we'll, let the, we'll let the people decide. If you want JL and Tobias Harris to get up in this debate, react on Facebook with a laughing react. And if you want the better player of the two, Drew Holiday, the guy who's been an all-star vacation in his name to win this debate, and me, Nathan, give us a, a shocked react, if that's what it's called. You happy to leave it there, JL? Take the defeat? We'll let, we'll let the fans decide, Nathan, because I'm feeling very confident on this one. We'll uh, wrap it up for the, the day. JL, thank you for coming on again. It's my absolute pleasure. Got nothing else to do during uh, during quarantine, so couldn't think of a better hour to spend than talking basketball with you. And uh, I'm sure when we talk next week, or at least I hope, the Celtic series would have started and the playoffs will have resumed, of course, and I'll speak to your biased mind then. Go Seas. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Sheer Basketball. Don't forget to find us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram as simply the Bronx Sheer Basketball. We're on Twitter as Bronx Sheer B-Ball. Uh, wherever you're going to get your podcasts, we're on those podcast directories, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you are using iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to leave five stars or a review. It really goes a long way. And we'll talk to you next week.